1: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome in, welcome in. This is the Bite Me podcast from all kinds of different places today. Today. Uh, we are uh, ready for you with uh, summer bearing down summer got here. If you didn't notice uh, this past weekend, John Lopez right here, captain Scott Knoll over there sporting that nice looking DOA hat and uh, Caleb captain Caleb uh, as well. Looking a little comfortable Man, looking real comfortable. That water behind him is real beautiful. Got a little rocking chair, got the Grundens hat on, got those brand new Costa sunglasses that I want to get a piece of uh and uh we're we're good to go here on the bite me podcast of course we'll get right into the topics captain scott had a terrific post uh and and i'm not blowing smoke up up his you know what because uh, we don't want to do that anyway his head's big enough uh but he had a really good post uh, on the bite me group page which you can join by just searching on facebook for bite me fishing or bite me podcast and the group page there you can join that's where we get all our questions and it's, it's a, a beachfront primer. Uh, and uh, I did a little bit of that. I tried to do a little bit of that this past weekend. But you had some really good points on that. We're going to get into that because a lot of people are looking and digging into the beachfront. Um, and maybe some misconceptions. We've touched on the, the best forecast for a, a, a run to the beachfront on your boat or maybe uh, waiting and driving on your four-wheeler or four-wheel drive, whatever it may be. What is the best forecast uh, for that? Uh, For the proverbial green to the beach, um, I've seen green to just beyond the third cut recently, and that's not nearly as much fun as uh, green to the beach. And certainly uh, for your boating pleasure and uh, comfortable uh, comfort as well. Um, We're going to get into something really cool as well. It's going to be a cool show for you guys today um, with uh, electric outboard motors. Uh, They are definitely a thing. And we're going to talk to JT. And then I want to get to the guys as an offshoot of that maximizing this experience on the water. And what we all know, um, you know, we're spending a lot of money on gas. So how do you maximize that when you're having a good time on the water? Uh, We'll get into all that and a lot more. uh, But don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. That's uh, easy to do. Pretty much wherever you see a podcast, you can subscribe from iTunes to Spotify, to Google Podcasts, and literally every other one as well. I'm gonna start with Caleb today. That water looks great, man. I don't know how much you, you got another tournament coming up. So I'm always a little wary because I, I want to make sure you're uh, prim and proper in terms of uh, what you can say. But uh, what can you say about what you got behind you and where you are and uh, certainly uh, the prospects for this next week?
2: Man, <clears throat> the, the first thing I notice when I look behind me is that there's not only is there water, but there's plenty of it. The tides mm-hmm. up a bit today. And I like that. I'm, I'm down in South Louisiana right now. We have a We have another PRL tournament coming up next Wednesday and Thursday. So Daniel and I just got here about 15 minutes ago, got the computer set up, ready to record the podcast. And we're going to begin our exploits and uh, trying to, trying to not tear up as much stuff this time. I don't have, I don't have sandbars to worry about much, but there is a Cypress stump or two in our future. I'm sure Uh, there is. Yeah, no, yeah. We're, we're down here. We're excited. This is one of my favorite places on the planet. I'm halfway through the tournament season. I have a, Let's see. I have Delacro next week. I have Homa in July, Grand Isle in July or August, and then uh, we should be locked in for the World Series. So I'll have the World Series in October. So I'm, I'm halfway through the stint this year. And we're, well, we're don't leave to us hanging. Where,
1: where, are, where are you and Daniel uh, standing
2: right now? Uh, I, it, I, don't, I, I don't have any idea. <laughs> We've scratched and clawed at a couple of them. We had a we had a pretty decent turnout last weekend. Um, you know, we we we've hit what we've hit what we need to do to get an invitation to the World Series, and and that's go. what I know.
1: Yeah, that's all you need. To know, heavily right?
2: in heavily in debt. That's where that's where we're standing. <laughs> you still need <laughs> that twenty nine thousand dollar check, not the seven thousand. <laughs> well, if I keep if I keep busting twenty eight hundred dollar drive shafts, I'm gonna need several of those twenty nine thousand dollar checks.
1: <laughs> and uh, Scott, uh, just as a quick uh, sort of background story, this wasn't an official question, but I've been asked several times uh about this uh, this podcast and where we record and uh this goes back to what i always talk about with uh hey take care of my guys uh i, I love them to death they bust their butts they've got debt they they, they bust props uh, i'm not speaking about you scott um uh, hey. and uh they they really do out uh, they go above and beyond to make this uh the successful podcast that it is and and uh it, it has been incredibly successful but I always talk about, uh, you know, gas money and, uh, you know, throw, throw throw our guys some trips. Uh, make sure you take care of our friends who are supporting the podcast. And people say, well, no matter where you got you guys are, it sounds great. Well, thanks to our listeners, we've been, uh, I mean, we're just being, we're, we're pulling back the curtain here. We don't make a lot of money on this, but we make enough to get really good equipment. And we have good equipment. So, uh, Caleb uh, pays for a lot of it himself because he's a geek like me. Uh, but we've got some good microphones. We always have a good signal. We have a great uh, editing programs. Uh, Figgy Fig back at the at Sports Radio 610 in Houston does an unbelievable job juicing it all up and, and making it nice uh, and sound nice and pretty. Uh, but that's where we are. In today's episode, Scott is in Port O'Connor. I am in beautiful uh, Walden on Lake Houston in Humble, Texas. And Caleb is in Southeast Louisiana. And it is as if we we're in studio. So if you ever wonder... Hey, should I take advantage of, uh, of of Wade ride? First of all, yes, because Wade ride is an incredible, uh, incredible Wade belt. That especially you know when you're doing those long drifts, you can you can take advantage, uh, you know, with that Bite Me Twenty combo at CoastalFishingGear.com or any of the others, Deadly Dudley, Knock and Tail, Anglers Anonymous, our friends there, uh, Freedom Boats in the Boatyard. What you're doing is you're not putting a ton of money in our pocket. I want you guys to book trips with Scott and Caleb uh and then we we do the rest but this podcast uh just real quick and Caleb wants to jump in here uh, that's why we do this and that's why we really appreciate the the support so that is very self-serving uh and and of course you know our, our our main sponsor the presenting sponsor Fishing Tackle Unlimited does an unbelievable uh job getting us on the air uh every uh every week so if you ever wonder well, these guys, you know, what are they doing out there? We're doing this for you. And that's not, uh, I'm not trying to be trite or, or, uh, humble or anything. It really is good. But, but Caleb, I know you can relate to all this. This is how we can get it done.
2: Yeah. Wh- while I do have some openings in the fall, I'd like to see, see people at. I think what I could really use right now are hopes and prayers. Like if, I mean, we could prioritize that over a booking any day, but I do, I want to, I want to, I want to, highlight figgy a little bit Mm -hmm. i didn't tell you this sean figgy and i were on the phone from midnight until 2 a.m two nights ago getting all this stuff figured out good gravy that that guy he he said i've just left the station recording my own podcast and that was about midnight he spent two hours getting all this stuff dialed in for me so big big shout out to figgy he's a great dude
1: yeah and doesn't know a lick about fishing we need to get him out on your boat and do some videos (laughs) Uh, i'm telling you he doesn't know what end of the rod to hold uh, Scott, but anyway, I wanted you to weigh in, Scott. Uh, I know Fishing Tackle Unlimited has been uh, so good to you, so good to this podcast, and, and really so good as, by an extension to our listeners.
3: Yeah, I mean, I've been hanging out at Fishing Tackle Unlimited since I was 16 years old. Since it wasn't <laughs> it Fishing was Tackle Unlimited. Rate. Yeah, it was cut rate back in those days. Uh, just good people. I've N- known the owners the whole time. Uh, did a lot of stuff with them while I was on the police department did, did some little side jobs and helped them out with some stuff and then when I got into the fishing world full-time uh, they were right there for me and supported me the whole way it's been great it's been and good, a special uh, shout out to
1: Scott because for someone who just jumped into this because I asked him to in 2000 was it 18 17 somewhere in there hell I don't know um, it's a, it's you, a blur. You've, really, you've really come a long way with the technology your microphone good. You're, Everything is good. We, uh, you know how to to broadcast, uh, which is uh, half the battle. A lot of guys think, "Hey, let's do a podcast," and they don't know what they're doing. Uh, so, all three of you guys, and I don't care about it, no need to say anything because he is he's one of us. He's got that same gene that I have in terms of broadcasting. So, I, I wanted to get that out at the front of the podcast because it's important. And these are quality products from uh, DOA to Grundens. And, and by the way, DOA and Grundens are not official partners uh, of, of the Bite Me podcast. Certainly that could change. Uh, all you got to do is pick up the phone. <laughs> but uh, uh, they are, we, we, we trust these people. Um, and, and we did this about a year and a half ago. So before we get into these topics and that great topic that uh, Scott had on, on the beachfront, I want to kind of cede the floor to Caleb. Who am I missing here that, that supports you the most uh, in terms of they know that 400,000 people a year download this podcast. Probably this year it'll be more than that, and they know they're getting value out of it, and they're supporting you in this endeavor.
2: Now, to to, to be fair, um, first I want to thank my mama. She, she shares this isn't everything the we post Awards. with a little thumbs up and a blue fishy hook thing. Yeah, uh, but uh, seriously, uh, Anglers Anonymous, those guys. Yeah they they're they're behind you they're behind me they're behind scott they're they're solid action it's a it's a great place to be uh it's where you can find me on most of my days off so if i had to choose one of the biggest supporters that all of us have it would it would be anglers anonymous they're great
1: and scott doa
3: for sure oh yeah doa's helped me a lot you know getting through what i've been going through with the shoulder and not running trips uh hell they hired me Mm -hmm. (laughs) they hired me for texas uh that that's been a big help man. i mean zero income from fishing been a little little tight so uh it's it's a big help and they're they're great supporters good people uh probably our number one is camille Mm
0: -hmm.
3: (laughs) we kind of glossed over that but she's uh she's kind of the backbone of of a lot of what we do uh with the uh the you know the, the facebook page and all of that stuff and the clothing and the, the gear. Yeah. I mean, if it wasn't for her, that gear wouldn't have happened. I can, mm-hmm. I can guarantee you that because me and you, yeah. that's not really our thing.
1: Mm-hmm. So, uh, so you can awesome. get that at, at scottnullphotography.com. So um, we do it about every year or so. It's been about a year and a half. I just want to upfront at the top of the podcast, uh, acknowledge all those, those great people. And I actually thought of this because uh, I, I've caught a few fish here and there over the last month. Uh, but this, uh, this past weekend, um, I, I got on them pretty good and, and I was throwing, <laughs> it's funny. We talk about confidence baits and, and I was throwing, um, a couple of just different colors, just trying to, to find fish. Um, and, you know, m- mention of, uh, you know, mixed, mixed re- reports, mixed results, I should say, um. And then all of a sudden I put my confidence bait on the electric chicken from deadly Dudley and whack, 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 whack. It it may, I don't know if it was me. I don't know if it was the bait, but it worked. And then I went to the, to the skinny water and uh, I, I tried to be one of those guys. Well, I'm gonna catch a redfish now. And, uh, all kinds of, of trouble over on that South shoreline. The wind was fine. It was beautiful. Didn't have anything put on that white knocking tail and just dragged it. Didn't even really work it. Boom. I think the third or fourth cast, nice redfish. So, uh, these are, these are companies that we support and we like, so excuse us for being self-serving there, but whenever you, you help out these, uh, these people, uh, you're helping out the podcast uh, get started. So let's get into it, Scott. Um, that and
3: also, I get a huge amount of feedback, uh, from those companies, mm-hmm. uh, that our listeners, Mention that they are, they're their listeners. Dean mentions it all the time. Yeah, you know, I a whole bunch of his customers that are coming down and fishing with him are all listeners. Um, over at Anglers Anonymous, I walked in there talking to Mike about putting DOA in. Uh, he said, "Man, whatever y'all talk about on the show, I want it in my store because <laughs> everybody that walks in here
1: is a listener. You got my OG cool sauce in the store." Yeah, I just restocked them uh, with that, and I also restocked the boatyard. Uh, you're gonna hear from uh, JT about that. He had a funny story about the OG sauce there. Um, but just but- just to say it, uh, when
3: when y'all do go to one of our sponsors with anything, you know, and, and mention it. Yeah. You know, it, it really helps us out. You know, it helps us out in the long run because they realize
1: they're they're getting their money's worth. Yeah, and it helps the podcast. So, uh, I, I was just digging in and these are a lot of things, uh, Scott, you and I have talked about at some of these uh, seminars and Caleb as well. And the ones that he's been with us, everybody has the same questions about the beachfront and a lot of these things. And this is relevant for a lot of our listeners who are guides. We have professional guides listening and, and guys that fish all the time just to get that, not reassurance, uh, maybe reassurance, but. You kind of you're reminded of certain things like yeah you know I haven't thought about that in a long time. And we were, you were talking about the beachfront? It's on the group page. If you want to see that post, maybe you can even bump it uh, after we record here to put it at the top of the of the group page, Scott. But it's I, I called it a beachfront beachfront primer. It was a great picture, and you really you know delineated and and pointed out all the important points of the beachfront. And then I'm gonna get uh, Caleb's opinion, but. What were your big points there? Because a lot of our guys are going to be going to the beachfront here real soon.
3: Yeah. One of our listeners, uh, Brandon Fox uh, had it on his, his personal page on Facebook. And I just happened to see it. He he took a, uh, an aerial shot with a drone. I'm assuming uh, of the Galveston beachfront. He took it because Galveston doesn't typically get that clear. And it was absolutely gin clear to the beach. It was really pretty. And it just struck me. And I, I, Contacted him asking if he'd mind if I used it and uh, he was gracious enough to let us let us have his photo Um, it just showed everything so clearly Uh, you know a lot of people don't quite understand how that how that all comes together you know what what are you talking about when you say the third bar well in this photo you can you can see it I mean it looks like a Deggum Highway Uh, each bar is there you've got the beach, you've got a little bar. It's real hard. It's kind of hard to see because it's probably low tide when this was taken. And then you've got, you know, that first little gut and first bar, second gut, second bar, third gut. And and then the third bar for the, uh, for the adventure, some people in the, in the crowd that want to get out there. Typically you can, you can catch most of your fish by standing on that second bar. And, uh, it was, it was just a really cool photo and, also something else that struck me in that one is the dark green uh there's a real dark streak right up the middle of that that third gut and that shows where the water flow is uh in this particular picture it's closer to the 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 second bar than than the third bar and that's where that water is flowing parallel to the beach and that's that's a money spot right there
1: yeah So Caleb, when we're, when you're, when you break through, whether you're going down Colorado river, Mitchell's cut, whatever, and you turn right or left, what are you looking for normally?
2: I want to see, I want to see some, uh, I want to see the green water in no doubt, just like everybody else does. Um, this kind of ties in with another one of our Facebook posts that somebody posted this week. And that was all the bait going crazy all over the place. Uh, what that was by my eye on a tiny iPhone screen was a big wad of pogies that are flipping and flopping and splashing. Uh, what I do in the surf, I'm not, don't get me wrong. I can go catch trout in the surf. That's, you know, we can all do that. What I do in the surf, I'm a sight caster. I want to find schools of jacks. I want to find schools of reds. I want to find bull reds. Uh, you'd be surprised how many five to eight foot sharks are right there around the second or third bar. Whenever I come out, I'm looking at that green water, but I want to see those pokies splashing around and popping around. Uh, my comment to that video, when they said, "What is this?" I said, "Well, it's very, it's very common, but you will find jacks are usually on the outside of that of that wad, and then reds will be cruising inside of it. So I'm looking for the green water, um, I'm looking for the bait, and then I'm looking for the fish after that, and those three are quite often together."
1: And, Scott, you're, you're, you're turning right or left and when you break uh, the jetties uh, over in Port O'Connor. What are you looking for on the shoreline and in the water? He touched the water a little bit there.
3: I'm generally going to slip up close enough and run parallel to the beach depending on the conditions, uh, how clear the water is and how clear the sky is and what time of day. If it's right at daylight, I'm going to move in a little bit closer. I want to be able to see the rise of the wave on that third bar because a lot of times those fish will be cruising right along there that, and I'm looking for tarpon or jacks or bull reds, but uh, typically I'm hunting tarpon early. Uh, that's, that's our main target. And if the jacks show up, that's just fine. Uh, bait is, I hate to say secondary, but it almost is with tarpon. I find the tarpon a lot of times without bait. You know, they're, it's bait's nice. They're running good. You know, it's, it's a, it's a really good indicator, but, uh, there's a lot of times the tarpon are out there and there's not a, not a wad of bait anywhere around. If I can find the bait then I know I've got a much better shot at it, but, uh, just because water looks a little bit dead, don't discount it for tarpon.
1: And that a great transition, Caleb, into something that I wanted to ask you about. Uh, Scott just said, you know, running the beach. Um, uh, this is where I put in sides, put down my side scan. Uh, and I don't run real fast. Uh, I don't know what your technique is. I'm, I'm looking at the shoreline. I'm looking for, you know, things that have uh, washed up, like not the trash, but, uh, you know, logs that are stacked up. That would mean some water's running through there. Then I start looking at the side scan. You, you really do have to multitask. You can't just stop. And well, I guess I'll cast here. Now, of course we all do have done that at some point. Uh, but I'm looking at where's the water flow to the beach. It also can change uh, from month to month, much less year to year, where that water flow really is. Uh, and I'm looking at the side scan to see any indication of pods of bait. Uh, what are you looking at? When, once you get to the start, looking at the shoreline, uh, I'm guessing you do some variation of what I just described.
2: Yeah, I'm not. A, I'm not a side scan guy. I don't use it a whole lot. Um, heck, earlier you're making a sound like really professional and stuff, but I kind of <laughs> suck at side scan. <laughs> uh some guy told me once look for the grain of rice i was like it's everywhere man (laughs) uh i'm looking at current lines you i mean you nailed it and just said it a different way than i do in in the water flow there's a lot of times that uh man how do you explain it there'll be kind of slicker water than the other water maybe it looks like a wind slick maybe it looks like this maybe it's maybe it's like a nice green water with a with a with a dirty water you know outside of it or inside of it and that's that's the current lines, And those fish hang out a lot on the current lines. and i I'm talking about it's usually kind of reachable by boat, more so than than walkinable. Um, and birds, birds will do a lot for you out there. Um, like Scott said, early in the morning, I'll get up, and I'll be watching the first and second up for shrimp popping, But just deciding, you know, let's say I'm not seeing the shrimp popping. I'm not seeing the birds. then i'm gonna start I'm gonna start cluing in to, those those current lines like you said you know and it's the same thing in the bay is the same thing everywhere whenever i find you know we're two we're two pieces of water moving differently typically there's something congregated there
3: pelicans all piled up on the beach somewhere you know if, if they're all just they don't have to be diving they don't have to be working but if they're just all resting on the beach hanging out in one particular area and there's a bunch of them i'm gonna stop there something was going on there it may not be happening right this minute, but there's a reason those pelicans were there. yeah you know, they they didn't go far from where they were eating, and they're just taking a break.
1: And this also ties in Caleb with uh, uh, I know you want to add on to that, but um, the the whole concept of first bar first gut, second gut, third gut, um, it, intuitively, a lot of people stand on the beach and try to cast as far as they can. And for some unknown reason. Uh, when a lot of people, when they're on their boat and they're right around where the third gut is, they, they, they still cast out, <laughs> they still get cast in the wrong direction where you're casting to me is, is probably of all the things we've been talking about the most important thing.
2: Yeah. Going back, I feel like we should definitely add in there a bunch of shell piled up on the beach. That's right there with the, with the seagulls to me. Cause that's, that's either showing you where water's pushing through or where there is a bunch of scattered shell that's holding bait. Um, I'm very interested in the first and the second gut on an incoming tide. You know, sometimes when I'm outgoing, I'm still interested in it, but I'm, I'm very interested in on that. And uh, I've seen it work exactly opposite to where the, there's boats on like the third sandbar. And we are literally catching fish three foot off the, where, the, where the water would hit your toes if you were standing on dry sand. Yeah. Um, you cast up in two inches of water and bring it out and pow, pow right? And then like you said, then the guys that walked in, they're casting past the boat, right? if the if the if the tide and the current's pushing stuff up close to the beach, then that first gut can be absolute money. And and if you're not if you're especially early in the morning, if you're not trying it out, you might be missing out because we have caught a ton of fish. Uh, I mean, throw it up in three inches of water, and we've seen redfish backs come up in that three inches and just smack it. It's it's uh, you know, everything's situational. It you know take everything we've taught you over the past three years and put it together, but the. the Don't just instantly walk out and cast as far out as you can by any means.
1: And by the way, when you have the right day, and we're going to get to that here in just a second, it's awesome. I mean, there is nothing quite like, uh, Scott, you know, a good beachfront day when you can do what we were just talking about with Caleb and then get to the third gut and maybe you see some reds and then you get out a little further and it's nice and calm and you might get, get some jacks. I've never caught, uh, you know, a tarpon like that, like you do with flies and everything else, but you can see those, um, there's nothing quite like, you talk about the entire fishery at your fingertips. It's right there on the beachfront. I grew up doing it. Uh, one of my girlfriends early
3: on, her dad was a beachfront bomb. I mean, that's what he loved to do. He worked on the docks and at the Houston ship channel. And if the weather was right and the tides were right, we were on the beach. He'd call off work. And uh, his brother-in-law was the same way. We had an old VW uh, uh, Bug that he drove, <laughs> one of them old ones. And we he converted the front end to a cooler. He, he lined it with plastic, and we, we had ice and everything in there. And that's where we threw our fish. <laughs> it just, we could drive down the beach back then, too. You could drive yeah. from the Seat Wall to the San Luis Pass. And we just drove the beach and looked for slicks, birds working, uh, bait balls, anything like that. Just bail out of that old that uh, old Beetle, and just wade off in there and start casting. But something those old guys taught me many, many years ago: uh, stand there with your your feet still dry and cast parallel to the beach before you ever walk out there. Especially first thing in the morning, we mm-hmm. would get there when the sky was just turning pink, yeah. and you throw parallel to the beach until that sun comes up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we caught a ton of nice big trout right there just standing on dry sand uh, um all
1: right so we've here. mentioned weather a couple of times here caleb uh and i want to get scott's opinion on this as well but i feel like there are some misconceptions and this is just uh, this just comes from a conversation i had at the boat ramp on sunday afternoon um because saturday um i was thinking about going to the beachfront but it was a it was kind of a south west south southwest wind but really really light and i went "Eh, i don't know about that um and a lot of people kept going out there and you could still obviously go out there anytime but uh i don't know if people need to be reminded or know about the best winds and conditions to say boom what scott just said you know if the conditions are right i'm going uh let's talk about that because uh, a lot of people think well if it's a light wind we can go to the beachfront not necessarily you can go, but it might not be what you think it is. Right.
2: Yeah. There's all kinds of things that can change this and that, uh, your number one, the number one thing is, you know, my webcam is gomatagorda.com. Every, every beach up and down the coast has a webcam. I it, just to check it out, but, uh, the, the surf relies heavily on like a light North wind or something early in the day. And then you really don't want to get cranking Southeast or East or, heck, I mean, just about anything, but, but North bothers me, but I mean, I've been out there plenty of days whenever it was blowing, you know, 10 to 15 and it was still completely doable, but we had that, we had that light North in the morning, or maybe even, maybe even a a light North knocked it down and then just hasn't gotten windy for several days and it hasn't gotten up yet, but there's other things to consider, you know, a storm in the Gulf, all that kind of stuff too, can, can really, you know, rocket, rocket in on you when you're not expecting it. But the number one thing I look at is give me that, that, you know, zero to 10 north in the morning and then nothing really crazy the rest of the day. I really don't care the wind direction. I know that, you know, Southwest is going to chop it up for me, things like that. But as long as I have something light and north north early, you know, northeast, northwest, whatever, um, in the morning and then nothing heavy during the day, I'm pretty confident in it.
1: Yeah, Scott, I was looking uh, Saturday morning, I got up real early and uh, it said uh, Southwest wind four to eight And, and I went, yeah, I think I'm just gonna go to the bay and, and that's a light wind, but I just didn't feel comfortable based on what Caleb said, that Southwest wind, especially if there wasn't a North wind before it, that can mess things up. So this goes back to our constant conversation of look at the wind the day or two before look for the North light North wind. What else, what else can you add to that?
3: Well, just because you've got a less than five mile an hour wind today, doesn't mean that that's what it was yesterday and the day before if it was honking like it is right now out there, I don't care what it is tomorrow morning. If it drops down to five miles an hour tomorrow morning, it's still gonna be rough out there. Uh, you got a lot, a lot of water for many, many miles mm-hmm. that's that's been carrying that wind and all that. All those waves have built up. It takes slosh a bucket and watch a bucket. You know, it takes a few minutes for that bucket to quit. You know, quit sloshing around when you stop. Uh, that's what our Gulf is. It's a big old bucket and it just, it's going to keep sloshing for a, at least a day, even when it goes just mm-hmm. flat, you know, flat slick. Uh, so you still got some, some wave action and that's going to mess up the beach. And if it, if there's anything that says West in it and it's more than five miles an hour, I ain't go, Hey, I, I don't want to be on the beach, you know, now uh, running the beach front. That's fine doing what i do chasing jackson tarpon and stuff like that they'll just move outside of it right i'll move outside the third bar everything's fine but if you're a beach fisherman and you want to go chase trout on the beach and you're going to drive up and walk in if it says west in it just switch up go to the bay yeah because that wind's going to rake right down those guts that are in that picture those those guts are running and they're they're set up for a southeast wind and as soon as that southwest goes, that squishy stuff that's in those guts immediately starts roiling up, and it'll turn it brown in a, just a matter of minutes, if not, you know, I minutes, mean, probably in a couple of hours or so of southwest is going to start messing it up.
2: All right. I guess to be fair, a southwest wind probably – I mean, I'm sorry, a west wind probably does down south what a north wind does here, just, you know, from the geography. And this is where I'm going to steal some of Scott's. Uh, he, he he let one slip past him because he's the one that taught me this. <laughs> that the, there's an app called Magic Seaweed, and that thing has been spot on. Ever since I got it from Scott, I use the heck out of it. It's very seldom wrong. If it if it misses, it usually misses on the on the side of error. So if it's telling me you know 1.7 at six seconds and it misses, it's usually because it's one at seven seconds or something. Uh, so the, the magic seaweed app has been probably the best tool that I had whenever I'm dealing with a, uh, you know, what are we going to do
1: now? That's, that's
2: a Go great ahead,
3: app. Great app. Uh, it, it's a surfer app and that's, they're, they're mostly concerned with, you know, the direction of the waves, the direction of the wind and, and what kind of setup it's going to be for the waves. So for us, you know, watching it for the waves is awesome.
1: Another good, good transition there, boys, uh, because back in the day, we had the, the weather forecast from uh, the local news. We had uh, the, uh, you know, whatever uh, information we could get on our maps. Uh, we had charts, tide charts that were on our maps. We had uh, some uh, high pressure and low pressure information from the weatherman. And we had the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department fishing report. And that was it, Scott. You and I remember those days quite well. That that was our that was our apps. You know, that, those were our apps. Those were our uh, you know go tos uh, on deciding when to fish. But the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department still publishes pretty much the same <laughs> reports that we had back in the '80s. Uh, and you've got to try to cipher through them and what are they trying to say? And this is just a quick hit here. Because one of our listeners, um, I guess he gets it on his phone or, or maybe in the old school newspaper or whatever, says he, lists, he reads that Texas Parks and Wildlife Fishing Report. He's like, what can I get out of that? There, there is code. There's, there's like a code that the, that those reports sometimes will tell you, and you can kind of call something. So this is more for you, Scott. What, what can you get out of those if, if you're just looking at that?
3: Man, they're, it's so sketchy. because mm-hmm. you know, it, They're calling guides. And you know, I've had them call me about it, and I'm pretty truthful about it, you know as much as I can be and but I know that there's probably some guys that blow smoke on them a little bit and or maybe send send people in a little bit of a wrong direction uh, yeah, I don't know I don't know how much I would really watch that uh, you know if if somebody's saying that you know they're on they're on shrimp or you know what kind of bait they're on, what you know patterns. You know, if they start talking about patterns, that's great. Mm-hmm. If they start talking about, hey, we got a limit over in West Bay, yeah, that's really not going to tell me a whole heck of a lot. Uh, so you can pick it apart and look for specifics. Same thing I do, you know, with the internet fishing reports, you know, different guys that, that post up. Uh, not the ones who post up just a picture of a stringer or a fish, but the guys who start talking about what they were doing. Yeah, Or you see a lure in the, you know, you see a topwater in a fish's mouth on a, on a internet fishing post. Eh, okay. Well, maybe they were on mullet. You know, they, they those trout were eating mullet and he's over in this general area. I don't try to pick apart exactly where he is. All I want to know is the pattern.
1: I would and think it, like the, the lo- one of the common things they say, they go like trout are good uh, on the North end of Sabine Lake uh, in the mornings. And I'm like, Okay. <laughs> well, let me, <laughs> let me look at this map with uh, North end. Well, it can't be over here with the way the wind's been blowing. Um, you know, it must be up in this Northeast corner. Uh, so it must be coffee ground cove. Boom. Okay. I'm, I'm going to guess coffee ground cove up in Sabine Lake. Uh, you know, that trout are good with the way the wind's blowing stuff. It's, it's difficult. I would suggest the apps, uh, but I did want to, we try to answer as many questions as we can and you, you can actually, you know, learn the code, so to speak, if, as well.
2: If I read that report, I would drive straight to Lighthouse Cove or the jetties.
1: Yeah, the You
3: know, in you're talking <laughs> about?
2: I, I would be on the south end of the lake first thing in the morning.
3: <laughs> it's opposite day because <laughs> all, be, the boats, bet, all the I boats. All the boats are
2: going to be. <laughs> you might see it. You might see an author of a of an article if you go that way.
1: Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lighthouse Cove can be fun, man. Whew, a lot of shell there. Gets shallow. A lot Until of an
2: LNG tanker drives by.
1: Yes, and then you're Then you're you get to up. see all the shell. Nobody can stay anchored. Nope. I mean,
2: <laughs> with
1: like two anchors, I've seen two anchors, and the boat just starts floating away because <laughs> the water <laughs> comes up and down so much. And I'm not saying I've never done that, but I have. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, oh, wait a minute, we're moving. You we are uh, talking about what apps, what apps we used. Ours was
3: driving down the Gulf Freeway before daylight, and we'd be heading down there trying to decide what we were going to do. And we'd pass in Dickinson, Gay Pontiac, mm-hmm. and they had a great big flag out there. And oh, yeah. We based, we based our whole day off of what that flag was doing, or at least started to come up with a plan. Okay, we're not going offshore today, <laughs> you <Yeah. laughs> know, or man, surf looks pretty good. And we, we knew exactly which angle that mm-hmm. flag needed to be flying to go hit the surf or to go, you know, eh, let's bail on that and let's go up in the bay somewhere.
2: I look like at the steam stacks from refineries. Yes, a hundred percent. That's my thing.
1: When I when I used to fish Trinity, uh I would I would I forget the the number of the road there and right by Anawak, same thing, Scott. Car dealership, big old flag. Okay, so how hard is it blowing? Which direction is it going? Oh, okay, I'll go over here at, at Trinity. I'll go to Smith Point or where I'll go back to the to the uh the oil, you know, the the gas wells or, or whatever. Uh, there's all kinds of ways to, to do it as you're driving. And then of course, Scott looks uh, at the cows and see if they're eating as well.
2: The cows don't eat when the barometer is high. <laughs> this is true.
1: <laughs> uh, all right, boys, I want to get your thoughts on this. It's important for a lot of people because money's important and maximizing the experience, uh, while saving money. But before we do that, um, I had a really good conversation with uh, JT Koshy from, from the Boatyard uh, about the future of electric outboards. Don't laugh, uh, especially after you listen to him and what he says and the best ways to conserve fuel uh, now that the, the prices are going uh, sky high. And then I want to get y'all's opinion on this because I think it's, it's, it's pretty good information for people that want to just save those extra few gallons. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. A lot of our listeners uh, just love uh, the boatyard. They know you by name, JT. I know they they ask for you uh, via the podcast uh, uh, whenever they go visit you or they're shopping for a new boat. Uh, actually, before we get into the question, uh, about, uh, electric power and, uh, fuel conservation, um, you know, I always like to, to give our listeners a heads up of what's happening out there. I know you got some freedoms there and more on the way. I've been watching some of those uh, piranhas and some of the other things everybody follows you on, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and all that. They know what, what is the, the current stock? Because that's something that I always go back to you with. Uh, everything is in transition still and getting better. What, what is it, what does the, the, the boat, uh, deal look like out in the boatyard right now?
0: You know what it's, it's uh, swinging up. We're starting to see stuff. You know what? It's still not in a perfect state. Definitely not in a good state, but at least I'm getting something uh, yeah. a year and some time later I have on tunes here. If anyone's looking for a cruiser, uh, just, you know, some piranhas, some aluminum boats, freedom boats are always good. Uh, Hey, if you're looking for a freedom, they're in good supply. I have motors here, and Chet over there in Port Lavaca can get me a boat quick, just a few weeks for you.
1: Yeah, and OG sauce. Got some OG sauce under the counter there. How about that?
0: Under the counter, right in front, OG sauce.
1: (laughs) All they got to do is ask.
0: (laughs) People are buying in, you know, buying eight, 10 bottles at a time. This stuff is good. And, you know, people are buying it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It really, it really is. Uh, All right. So let's get to the, to the question here. Um, Clearly uh, gas prices uh, are high. Clearly we're seeing more and more videos. I'm fascinated by them when, because I, 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 I'll just admit it. I'm skeptical. I'm hopeful because I think uh, electric power and with the battery, Uh, you know, uh, renovate uh, innovations that we have, I I think it could work. Um, You know, some people are starting to, to, to the the vehicle market uh, is going through the roof for electric powered vehicles. So I'm going to start there before I get to some of your thoughts on, on fuel consumption for our listeners who go fishing uh, and trying to save a dollar here and there with, with the fuel prices. What is, what is and how long, if, if that's the case until, And you've been to all the boat shows. I think you were in Florida recently. I'm sure there were some electric power, battery powered outboards there, motors there. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, give me your opinion before you give give me the, you know, the the rundown on on the feasibility of it here in the next few years.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, electric power has come a long way and it's definitely, definitely making its way into the, marine industry uh i'll just give you an example no one even thought about it naturally they say you know electric motors and water don't mix well uh naturally in 2012 2013 cigarette actually did an all-electric speedboat with amg i heard a little bit about it read a little bit about it never really saw one out and they didn't quite release it uh 2019 uh Torquedo had started coming out with their, you know, bigger, high horsepower electric motors, and the big limiting factor right now, even though lithium batteries are getting really, really good, they don't have the carrying capacity and price point that we need to make it possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I won't say possible; it is possible, but they don't give us the range that gas can give us, mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't have their boats in. Uh, positions where charging it all night long or two days at a time is, is a easy option. You know what I mean? I will say then just this last year I was in Miami, they had a full wakeboard tow boat, completely electric powered and, uh, uh, just a simple center console with a big, you know, roughly 150 to 200 horsepower. And, uh, it looked good. Uh, I don't know how heavy the boat was, and I don't – they didn't say the range per se, but I know they're working on it, and you, every year you can see the improvement. One day, just like you see Teslas more and more on the road, we'll see mm-hmm. electric boats on the water more and more, but I won't say it's quite there. Uh, they're definitely not as advanced as the cars, but it's getting there fast.
1: It's just mind-blowing, uh, you know, and, and you're talking like we're going to be in, in the next – however many years we can be on the water for six, seven, eight hours. Like we are now with an electric powered vi- uh, boat. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. In the meantime, <laughs> we are fueling our our boats and motors. And, uh, you know, I, I, I used to have this term whenever I would, you know, be fishing with some buddies, um, and they, you know, they'd say, well, what do you think about over there? And it's like on the opposite side of the, of the Bay. And I used to have this term, this phrase that I used all the time. It's just gas. Let's go. You know, I I would always say, it's just gas. Let's go. Let's go give it a look. Well, it's not just gas anymore. (laughs) I mean, it is, but you got to be a little more aware. And uh, Scott and Caleb and I are going to talk about, you know, planning your trip. You're still going to have to do some things on the fly, preserving uh, fuel, making uh, the most out of, uh, out of your, you know, your, your, your gas that you have on the boat. Uh, and burning the least possible, but still enjoying the water. Do you have any thoughts on that? And, and and then the second part for me was, I'm guessing the industry is always one step ahead. So I'm guessing the industry is now working on forget the electric boats, better fuel, uh, you know, usage. You know, it, being able to to go further on a tank of gas.
0: I don't know. Maybe my thoughts might be a lot different than some people's, but uh, maybe. As far as the listeners, they might just want to hear y'all's side a little bit more. On my side, I'm thinking the outboard manufacturers are doing things nowadays to make these motors just so, so fuel efficient. You know, these small little Tahatsu outboards, you can unplug the fuel on them and they'll run for, I don't know, another 10, 15 minutes with just it running through the system in the car or the fuel rail for fuel injection, Mm -hmm. uh, and manufacturers of the holes are making their holes straighter, more precise, uh, different points of lift as it's moving forward to make them as fuel efficient as possible. And at the end of the day, man, we're just all having fun. Even the people who are guiding and working on boats for a living, they could probably do something else that wouldn't be as fun. So right now with the gas prices it's not just gas yeah. you know it's not only gas it is money but in the same token we all you know we're just having fun on the water so uh you know you don't always have to go full blast everywhere that's exactly what I was going to ask you, you next you,
1: yeah that's yeah, exactly what I was going to ask go. you next week. you know I, I like to cruise as you know 35 uh now I I blow it open every once in a while cuz as you've mentioned on this podcast and I hope our listeners were listening at that point your, your outboard is made to go. I mean, you want to you open it up every once in a while. But short of that, I mean, just the way you operate your boat, what are your thoughts there in terms of fuel efficiency?
0: As far as boat operation, uh, you really just need a, these, well, it's not really an easy way of going about it. As far as fuel efficiency, these motors, they were all tuned to run at between five and 6,000 RPM. Uh, now, they are most efficient at burning the gas that comes in at those rpms but you are also burning the most gas per hour Mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah uh so definitely open it up every once in a while but if you know you're going to be running you know across a bay or down the icw for say an hour two hours you know i if you're running six grand the whole time or you know full throttle trimmed out you're probably burning more gas than you maybe had to you know Mm
1: -hmm. yeah so if you're going on a further run you can maybe temper that back a little bit
0: correct i I will say this uh
1: and it sounds like i'm doing your job now (laughs) and i don't mean to but uh, make sure your boat is tip top man i mean you know you know i I go in and see you guys uh make sure everything's serviced that makes a big difference as well. Just having it have nothing, you know, old or deteriorating on your motor. Right.
0: Yeah, definitely. There is a load factor. So the other thing is all, it doesn't matter new or used outboards are very, very sensitive to fuel quality. And that's something we've talked about on the podcast before Mm -hmm. and also annual servicing, you know, this is a little tiny motor running, you know, between three and 6,000 RPMs its whole life, you know, your car, you have gears, this thing doesn't have gears. So fuel quality and spark quality do a lot also to load and efficiency as far as how it runs. Uh, yeah. Doing an annual service like you do, John, and a lot of the Bite Me listeners do, that helps out as well.
1: Good stuff. JT Koshi at the Boat Yard in Kima. And uh, they got good stuff going down there. So go see my friends, JT, and, and say hello to Jake too. He, he, he's always looking for someone to hug. So uh, <laughs> say hello to Jake. He's a fun guy and uh, appreciate it, man. We'll get back to the podcast now.
2: All right, so
1: electric outboards are on the way. Maybe not next month, but there, there's some out there already, and maybe in the next year or so, uh, we'll be doing it. I don't know about you, Caleb. I, I guess I'm just—it's the the old dude in me. I just don't know how much I trust them, man. <laughs> but but you know, if they get on the water, it's like Teslas, you know, it's like electric vehicles. They're gonna be reliable. It's just like, man, how many times have you been out there making a long run and? Well, I just got to fill up over here and then I'll turn around and, uh, and I will be good to go. It's, it's, I it, think we just all have to kind of overcome our inherent bias against it, but it's got It's coming. And and I think it's going to be successful when it does come.
2: They've already taken away my ability to smell two stroke oil in the morning. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> that's tough already. Uh, man, I don't know. I don't know what to think about it. Um, I mean, heck, I plug my boat in every night. It, they've had, I don't know what to ask Scott this question, but I don't know how long outboard motors have been around, uh, but they still haven't quite gotten that right. So I figure I give them electric motors maybe a little bit of time before I jump on it, but yeah. in our current in, in our current environment, it, it makes sense. It absolutely makes
1: sense, and it's funny you said that because I used my first motor, first two motors were two strokes. I had a Johnson 115 on a boat, and I would just know how much oil to put in, by how much black smoke came out of the back of it or or, or lack of it.
2: <laughs> there there's two smells you don't forget one is a 7.3 liter power stroke the old square bodies and two is that blue smoke coming out of a out of a you know an old two-stroke motor those are two smells that you never forget
1: and and i'm not ashamed to say scott i uh my brother-in-law's big car buff and i took him fishing once a long time ago and i'll never forget this i turned on the the, the, the Johnson. And just boom, all this black smoke coming in. It wouldn't stop. And, and I, I put too much oil in it. And, and I said, uh, uh, so did you see that? He goes, this is deadpan, running a little rich. <laughs> I was like, that is.
2: <laughs> when, I was a, when I was a little kid, we I grew up on a big ranch with a uh, skeet range on it. Concrete sidewalks all over the place, right? I mean, it was a pro-level skeet range. My dad sent me up there. He said, I want you to edge it. Don't forget to put oil in the gas tank. I said, "You put oil in the gas tank." He's up. Yep, you put it in the gas tank. All right, man. I went up there and I filled that sucker at the top with 10W40. You (laughs) want to talk about a mess and a one pissed off dad? (laughs) It it, it didn't run at all with oil in it.
1: (laughs) I still think of that, Scott. Every time I see somebody running a motor and it's all this smoke and everything, and I'm, I think, I hear his voice saying, "Running a little rich."
3: that smell at the uh, boat ramp on a Saturday morning. Oh man. And it was just like, it was like, there wasn't a mosquito around. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: not. So let's get, uh, you know, a little bit on a, on a more serious note. Cause this was part of the question. Uh, what do you guys do as professional guides to maximize the experience? You know, that's the main thing you want to do your job the way you like to do your job, but while also being smart and, and conserving money. And the, and the point is, um, uh, Scott, I'll start with you, you know, like you don't want to just run for the sake of running, you know, what do what are some of the things you think of? Cause you want to put your friends, your, your clients, whatever on fish, but you also don't want to just be burning like crazy. A lot of our listeners spending a lot of money on gasoline want to know, you know, how, how should we do this?
3: Run three quarter throttle. I know that does not compute to the, the other fellow on here, <laughs> but, uh those engines run their, they run their best at three-quarter yeah about three-quarter throttle as far as fuel consumption goes so back off the throttle i mean if you're not in a tournament and you're not in a big hurry to get over to the other side uh just slow down a little bit that changes everything as far as your fuel consumption uh wide open throttle it's you can hear it sucking i mean it is pulling some fuel in there uh that and we're all into these bigger motors these days and i mean coming up man i mean a 150 was a monster yeah that's what i had on my first shallow sport and everybody was just oohing and on over it because it was it was a 150 horse motor and i got around just fine i wasn't doing this 70 mile an hour stuff but uh why I got are you looking at Caleb? it's fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's fun until it goes pop
2: (laughs) we were not going 70 when that happened
1: okay
3: we were trying
2: to look but 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 for the sake of our listeners caleb
1: you know be smart spend all day on the water catch a bunch of fish go to different places but doing it smartly would would mean what to you
2: yeah and you know make all the fun of me you want when i guide i barely get over 3700 rpms uh unless i have to i can attest But, but uh man you know like Scott's spot on with staying out of the power band of the motor but uh and then i I keep my boat real light my last jh i never had a full cooler on it ever i had a a yeti bag with some drinks in it um i didn't have my entire tackle shop with me uh you know maybe invite one less friend if you if you have to if that friend's not paying for for fuel right but uh, uh i try to drive downhill as much as possible I find that to be a a really, a really key. Um, If you run, if you run from the nipple to Widow's Point in East Matagorda, downhill the whole way. Don't you make
1: fun of the nipple. It was good to me this week. (laughs) I told Uh, you guys, I should have sent you some pictures.
2: But those are the, those are the main staples right there is just stay out of that power band. Keep your boat light, Um, you know, and even guiding wise, I, there's some guys that are going to run all over tar nation to try to make it happen. I've had, I've had guide buddies come in and be like, Oh man, we started in West Bay. Then we went to East Bay. Then we did this, we did that. And I was like, why didn't you move a quarter of a mile? And, 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 mm-hmm. you know, th- those fish in West Bay didn't vacate the premises. Right. right. And so I try to pick a par- an area apart more thoroughly. Um, I took a, for per- me personally, I took a page out of Scott's book and I've got a boat come with a 60 horse motor on it. I think uh our buddy Compton said he ran three days on seven gallons so that that's that's gonna be my answer to it uh I, I might even I, I'll probably be wide open throttle in that it's, <laughs> you probably I can, will I can only get like 32 out of it but but yeah uh staying off staying off the the max the the wide open throttle and keeping your boat light and then just picking the area that you have a part better it's gonna help you learn the area more anyway
1: Bingo. Scott he just touched on on what I I said to you guys my my thing and you're not cheating yourself you're not shorting yourself you're just giving yourself a better uh more thorough chance to catch fish this is something that we would do no matter what the gas prices are uh the three things that i that i sent you um you know there were some birds working finally uh in east matagorda this this past weekend so the birds are skittish especially with a lot of boats on the water especially with uh you know on the weekends so you know hit the birds a little bit have some fun and then they died and they went away a couple of them sat down on the water i just sat there and waited. You know, you don't all of a sudden, boom, let's go, this is done. Uh, you'd be surprised you're going you're to end up catching more fish uh, because they're going to either pop back up or you're going to see some other activity that, that looks worth, uh, you know, trying, trying out. The other thing that I think, no matter the gas prices, uh, wait or grind out an area, man. we just wait to grind it out a little bit if you've caught some fish, especially. If not, then move and, and use that gas. But, um, you know, the, the only other thing that I thought of is if I'm fishing a big bay, um, don't be afraid to drag your boat via your truck to another ramp. We get into these habits. Uh, and that you think the, you know you want to fish the other side, drag your boat over there. It's you're still less gas than, than running it across the bay.
3: Yeah, you probably are, you know, more than likely. Uh <laughs> he mentioned Compton with the, the new Sabine hell. <laughs> I there's a lot of days where I'm I'm sitting there and I'll I'll stop at speedy stop here in town and I'm thinking. I don't remember when I put gas in this thing. Lucky. So yeah, a smaller boat, you know, is a is a good idea too. I mean, you know, we're all getting into these these bigger and bigger and bigger boats and bigger and bigger engines. And maybe it's time to take a step back and uh go with a little little smaller boat, a little lighter boat. I mean, think about what you actually do day in, day out. If you're just fishing with you and one buddy, you know, maybe maybe downsize a little bit. Uh, you know, if you're a guide and you're running, you know, four guys, you really don't have a choice, but, uh, for the average guy out there, I think the average fisherman probably has too big a boat and too much horsepower.
1: Probably, uh, probably, um, all right, before we, uh, get to, uh, what would Scott do and what would Caleb do? Uh, again, guys, this is your cue. Look at your apps, uh, to do it. We do have, uh, one other topic. Uh, that I believe it's been a little bit since uh, you and I talked about it, Scott, um, and it sounds almost silly, but is it a uh, question from a listener? Uh, do sound systems affect fishing? A uh, lot of great sound systems out there, either already on your boat or turtle box or whatever it is you want. And you're having fun, that's the whole thing. You're out there just having a good time, put on your favorite, you know, playlist, blah, blah, blah. Um, or Can that be? Um, can that be a mistake, Scott, uh, or at least a, a little bit of a hindrance? Kind of depends on where you're fishing.
3: You know, you're fishing some deeper water, you're drift fishing, something like that. I don't think it would bother them quite as much, but if you're up there in the skinny stuff and you're prowling around hunting redfish, sight casting, hell, just talking sometimes will set redfish off when you're up there real, real shallow on a calm day. So yeah, it, it it's bound to have some effect. You're putting vibrations into your hull which then puts vibrations into the water if you got a swimming pool handy go get in a swimming pool and have somebody turn the stereo up and see how see how loud it is underwater you can feel it uh, and fish work off a feeling of vibrations they're not working off of necessarily what they can hear but what they feel and i mean you're talking about a, a critter that can feel a shrimp swimming in dirty water and turn around and nail it and eat it so yeah i mean the sound vibrations have got to affect them in some some fashion
2: i think scott nailed it dead on if i was drifting in like you know six feet of water or more um i would i think a turtle box or something to be good i don't want anything that i don't want speakers that are attached to my hole vibrating and buzzing when i'm in the water period uh shallow water i'm gonna flip out if you step on the boat too hard much less play the radio yep we, we were Daniel and I were at that tournament last weekend and Daniel, I, he had just put a fish in the live well and I saw a school. And And as I said, school was when he was setting the bogus down. And when those bogus went thump, that entire school busted and ran from us and that they were 30 yards off the boat. So I wouldn't be caught dead uh, in shallow water, deeper water, especially like I said, a turtle box Bluetooth speaker something like that. That's not making my whole buzz. Maybe, you know, get, get a friend that tells better stories and better jokes yeah then you don't, exactly. then you don't need a stereo
1: yeah, I, i'm I'm wired differently. I, I, when I'm out there, I like it quiet, and then every once in a while you get in a mood where you're like, you know what? you know I'm gonna put on some music. Uh, so it depends on the situation now now uh, when birds when birds are working or fish are really feeding, you can put oh, yeah. on you know side two of Led Zeppelin four as loud as you want, you know <laughs> uh, <laughs> <It ain't>
2: gonna... <laughs> we were on we were on schools offshore, and I say offshore ten feet of water. And I am blasting Post Malone, and we were yeah. the, to the point that oh, E.T. Me and Scott's buddy sent me a message and said, "Grow up." I was like, "I did." This is me growed up. <laughs> oh. Post
1: Malone's more, more, more. Uh, this time
2: of. I mean, if that doesn't tell you, does that doesn't make me feel like green tropical water? Listen to Posty. I don't know what does. Exactly,
1: right? exactly. So it is, it is absolutely uh, situational. Okay, um, so what would Scott do? What would Caleb do? What are the conditions looking like? A little breezy this week and last time I checked, Scott.
3: Yeah, a little bit. You know, Friday's not bad. i am be out there pulling around on Friday. Clear skies, looking pretty good. A uh, light southeast wind. The tides are way up. Man, I this morning I drove into Port Lavaca and then I went down to Rockport. Uh, take care of some business down there. And everywhere that I cross water, you know, I'm always looking – and there was water in cow pastures. I mean, it's, it's up there. It's pretty dead gum high. Uh, so I'm going to be polling places that would normally be dry probably uh, looking for redfish. Now, as far as trout, I, I had a buddy coming down here asking about trout. The only thing I'm hearing right now is the croaker guys are, are doing okay. Um, lure guys seem to be struggling a little bit. But uh, fishing drop-offs, you know, the water's hot. Yeah. I, mean, I just looked uh yesterday, the water at the Port O'Connor Little Jetties yesterday afternoon at about four o'clock was ninety-one degrees. Jeez. So <laughs> the water's hot. <laughs> Here's a news flash. I mean, we're supposed to have hundred degree temperatures this week. And next. Yeah, uh, and next. I mean, we're in a definitely in a heat wave. So fish really shallow early and then bail off and go into some deeper water as soon as that sun gets up a little bit.
1: Well, let's talk about that, Caleb, because I I told you I'd been in that, that trout struggle that Scott just mentioned, um, needed, needed that little, that, that boost, uh, we needed to see a trout again. So I chased the the birds are starting to get up a little bit, especially in the morning. Not much after that.
2: I, I'm sight casting all week. And instead of my usual two foot of water, I'm going to be in four foot of water because of that, that, like he said, the heat, it dissipates the oxygen. It is, it makes it tough as soon as that water starts getting hot, but I Scott spot on nailed it. All right,
1: boys, uh, Scott, photography.com. If you want to support that, uh, bite me gear. And, uh, and again, appreciate you guys, uh, uh, always listening. Um, you are starting to scout right now or what do you got going on? When's the term next Wednesday and Thursday? That's a weird. Next Wednesday. Weird time. Yeah. Next.
2: What's that? Not on the Friday, Saturday. No, it's Wednesday, Thursday this time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we're, we're going to work tomorrow. Uh, fortunately I've, I've been over here a ton this, this last, you know, 30, 45 days and, So I have some ideas of what I want to go look at. So basically I'm gonna go see if what was here last time is here this time. And, you know, hang out, have a good time. Uh, if I find fish where, where I'm going to be at, then I'm going to go where I think other people are going to be at. I'm gonna make instructional YouTube videos, with a lot of backgrounds. We're gonna catch a bunch of fish, make all their mouth hurt a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Scott, I forgot to
1: mention to you. Um, tell me if I'm, I'm nuts. Uh, so I was fishing, uh, believe it was Sunday. And I saw that a little flash again in, in East Matagorda Bay, that little silvery flash, uh, about 150 yards away from me. And I, and I did the same thing I did last time. I went, nah, that's not a tarpon, uh, beat a b- piece of bait out of the water. Five minutes later, like threw the bait into like a big, pretty good chunk size of bait, uh, into the air. Was that a tarpon? They can be there. I mean,
3: Right now? I've seen, them in, I've seen them in West Galveston Bay. I've seen them all over the place. Uh, you got to remember, we have juvenile tarpon here.
1: Oh, it was definitely juvenile. Like two feet, two and a half, three feet yeah, maybe. But I, We have juvenile tarpon that live here.
3: They don't migrate until they get to be about four feet long, you know, four and a half feet. So they uh, during the winters, they go and get in deep water and hang out in the rivers and the docks and places like that. And you know think about where where dead tarpon were found during the february freeze a couple of years ago and you have a pretty good idea where they might be in the winter time and those fish are coming out and it, water's hot man, and the water's ready uh, i would fully expect i don't have the big boat yet but uh i would fully expect if it was a calm day and i could slip out on the beachfront there's tarpon out there i would
2: imagine
1: Caleb, you heard any stories about tarpon in the bay? Because I, I I kept trying to talk myself out of it, but it sure did look like it.
2: No, they show up every now and again. Just like Scott said, they come out of the rivers and the creeks when they're babies and start kind of creeping their way out to the coast. And um, I don't think anybody, I don't think they're running a Simrad, so one of them could have got lost a little bit. <laughs> uh, I mean, that I, I know there's been a lot of sharks in uh, East Bay this year. Uh, I mean, knocked I heard the are
1: way up, and it was fast. Boom. Boom. Like, it was
2: fast, fast. Well, there, there, there's only, I hope y'all can hear me. There's a big old shrimp boat running behind me right now. That's all right. But there, I mean, there's only one answer, John. It was tarpon. It's right. whatever <laughs> you want it to be. That's I'll the beauty that. of fishing stories.
1: I'll go with that. Hey, I'm I mean, trying to be honest and transparent. If there was no confirmation. No confirmation. No, nothing yeah. on the end of the then line. Then it can be what you want. That's right. <laughs> I think it was a beluga. All right, boys. <laughs> it have been a manatee. It was a manatee. Uh, you guys, man, knocked it out of the park, Caleb. Uh, you do what you do so well. And uh, uh, Scott, uh, do you have any openings that you knew you want to put out? Uh, in, you know your information, uh, so any of our listeners can can come have some fun with you.
3: Yeah, like I said last week, I'm I'm doing some trips. Yeah, you know, just kind of scattered here and there. I'm trying not to overbook myself in the beginning here, and just kind of feeling my way through it. Um, hopefully I'll have that new big boat before too terribly long. And then I can get started on the beachfront. I've got a whole bunch of people that were booked for last year that gave me deposits and didn't take their deposits back. And they want, they want to go this year. Uh, they're all sitting on go and just kind of waiting on me and I'm kind of waiting on Chet. Yep. So, so don't rushing, that big boat rush them, Rush them, but don't rush I, them. <laughs> yeah. I can, I can get, uh, you yeah, know, I can get started with the big boat and then, I wanna I kinda wanna just hold up a little bit and book these people who've been waiting and were so patient for me. Uh, I really appreciate what they did, you know. Yeah. They, like I said, I had I don't know, twenty-five or thirty, maybe more than that, you know, that were lined up to go and they they had their deposits in and only one guy asked for his deposit back. That's awesome. Uh, most of them said, Hey man, I know you know you're gonna be hurting for a while, so just keep that deposit, hang on mm-hmm. to it.
1: Good so, deal. All right, guys, you have a great week, Uh, Caleb, of course, uh, you know, find those fish and uh, we will uh, get an update next week as well. Oh, by the way, real quick programming note, uh, July 5th, I believe, 5th or 6th, we're going to have, we've had some requests for this, our offshore uh, show again, uh, which is going to be incredible information. If it's anything like last year, Cole Seckman down from Reveley Charters uh, out of uh, uh, East Matagorda Bay. He knows everything there is to know about offshore. We're going we're gonna to hit the offshore topics uh, on that week. Uh, so that's coming up uh, the, the 5th or 6th of July, I believe, is when we, we post that one. Uh, I'll meet, be meeting with him here pretty soon. Uh, and beyond that, uh, you guys have just a fantastic time. Uh, be safe, catch them up, and we will talk to you next time.